Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to Premier League All Access with me, Sam Matterface. Alongside me, we have Talk Sports Chief Football Correspondent Alex Crook, the former Chelsea, West Ham and Benfica man, Scott Minto. And we're here to look ahead to a massive weekend in the Premier League. Here's what's coming up. You've highlighted Rashford. Controversial. I wouldn't pick him against Burnley. I think his body language has been terrible. I think his work off the ball is a big problem for the defence and a big reason why United are so open. And he hasn't kicked on from last season. I'm all for being ruthless. I'm all for, do you know what? Actually, he's the guy who's taken us to this, but he's the guy who's going to take us to the promised land. And I'm not saying he should come out and definitely say that, but come, don't come out and say I've got two number ones. Tottenham haven't really played anybody yet. And actually, they weren't great against Sheffield United. You mentioned Son. He was pretty anonymous in that game. They are creating the chances. And if they're able to put the ball in the back of the net, the game completely changes, Sam. They're 2-0 they're up at Bournemouth. Bournemouth ain't coming back and, and getting the point out of that. No chance. So that's why I'm talking about they're not a million miles away. But I do agree they need to start winning. Now, this can't keep on going on. Gentlemen, hello. Hope you're well. Crookie, you're right? I'm okay. Average. Yeah, okay. Um, Scott, looking splendid once again. You okay? Well, I don't know about looking splendid, but I am sli- I'm, I'm really good, thank you, mate. I'm slightly concerned about Crookie already. Is he, is he okay? Uh, yeah, no. Um, look, we'll, we'll do more on the on this in just a moment, but let's start with Champions okay. League fallout um, because Bayern Munich beat Manchester United by four goals to three. Don't be fooled by the scoreline. Arsenal three, PSV nil. Be fooled by the scoreline. It could have been six. PSV very naive, but Arsenal were impressive. Uh, Newcastle get a solid point despite having just one golden chance really in the 95th minute. It was a good result away in Milan. They could have conceded quite a few goals in the first half but in the second half they had the best chance through Sean Longstaff and Manchester City had to come from behind but in the end an easy win for them. Quick takeaways from the Champions League. Crook? Uh, Arsenal electric as you say PSV very naive and pretty poor but the big takeaway was myself and Mr. Durham getting absolutely soaked to the skin, walking back to the tube station. I'm not sure I've dried out now. We're recording this the next morning. It was biblical, the rain. <laughs> Scott, anything um, less meteorological to tell us? So, so that half explains why he's, he's the way he is. Look, yeah, I, I think City you know, didn't panic. They could have scored lows before they conceded, yet showed why they are the best team in the world right now. Great to see Arsenal starting off the, the Champions League campaign for some time um, with a very convincing win. But but Newcastle, you know, they didn't sort of deserve the draw, but nearly nicked the win at the end. But what a fantastic achievement to be there in the first place and to play at a place like the San Siro. Yeah, I really enjoyed doing that game on Tuesday Night Live on 
Talk Sport. Um, and uh, the Arsenal game I did on Wednesday night was real good fun as well. Um, I would say that we would usually leave Europe there, but I think that conversation is probably going to creep into our next discussion because we're getting stuck into the weekend's Premier League action now, starting at Turf Moor, where once again, game day becomes game night. So no early kickoff this week because of the Champions League. Um, they've sort of done this thing this year where if you're playing on a on a Wednesday night in the Champions League away from home, they'll move what would have been a twelve thirty to later in the day. Uh, it means that Manchester United have to wait a little bit longer to play their game against Burnley on Saturday night. It's probably good for them in terms of travelling, uh, and they probably need all the recovery they can get. It kicks off at eight o'clock. We are on air from seven on Talk Sport. I watched this game back last night, gents, and honestly. I think it could have been eight. Bayern toyed with Manchester United, especially in the second half. There was a period in the second half where, you know, look, 4-3 just couldn't reflect the match more inaccurately. Defence is terrible. Dallow and Lindelof not up to the level. I think we already knew that. But Martinez, what on earth is he doing for the second goal? Where is he even going? Um, but as all great teams will tell you, defending starts from the front and Marcus Rashford is starting to attract attention for all the wrong reasons. I think he's had a really poor start to the season. He does only half the job and he's tracking back his half-hearted and full of token gestures. Crook, I will let you have a, your say on what was yet another disappointing night for your team. Well, listen, first and foremost, if you told me before the game that we'd come away with a 4-3 defeat, I'd probably have bitten your hands off but the goals that they conceded were, were so poor credit to Anana actually because he's very much in the firing line um, and obviously he wouldn't be able to stop the bullets if he was but um, for him to put himself up for television interview and hold his hands up and say yep yeah, it was my mistake that's why we lost the game I think more players could follow in his footsteps I think more Manchester United players could take that responsibility on their shoulders you've highlighted Rashford controversial I wouldn't pick him against Burnley. I think his body language has been terrible. I think his work off the ball is a big problem for the defence and a big reason why United are so open. And he hasn't kicked on from last season. And it's disappointing because it looked like he turned a corner under 8-10 Haag. The easiest criticism is that he's got this fat new contract and he's happy just to sit on that. But once again, he's gone from playing with a bit of a smile on his face to playing with a scow, and I think it's a major issue. The, the big plus point was Hoyland. Again, you know, he looked every bit a, a top-class player. I know that £72 million, given his CV, probably was overpaying, but I think he's been one shining light so far this season. And actually, Reguillon, down the left-hand side, considering that he was a Tottenham reject and an emergency loan signing, I think he was excellent as well. So there are some positives, but obviously still many more negatives for United. Oh, it was terrific last night, Reguillon. And actually, he sort of underscored the uh, the work that Rashford didn't do with the amount of um, endeavour and that he got through over the course of the, the 90 minutes. It's interesting that Crook says uh, Andre Nana was good that he kept put his hands up at the end of the game. It would have been good if he'd done that in the first half, Scott, really. No, look, I I, I agree with Crookie in, in terms of Anana stepping up and, and owning it. Um, it's a mistake. I, I was speaking to someone just this morning, actually, you know, a Man United fan and said, oh, and on and on. I said, listen, goalkeepers can make that mistake. But I think he showed a lot of character, not just to come out, but actually for the rest of the game to carry on playing how he wanted to play. Made um, some good saves towards the end. He did. He did. And, you know, I, I mean, it, it goes to show where United are, where if you say to Crookie before the game, he would have taken a 4-3 <laughs> defeat. 
You know, I mean, that that just goes, you know, you're Manchester United. And I, I get that you're not the United of, a, you know, more than a decade ago uh, completely. But, you know, I take a draw. But but the way United were playing and the way United fans are sort of going into that game. I mean, you're right, Sam. It, it felt like they were in second gear by Munich. And whenever they, they United got a little bit close to them, they said, we better step it up and score oh, another. Yeah. And, and really poor defending. But I think you're right to, to, to pinpoint Marcus Rashford because everyone sort of was... was you know, waxing lyrical about him last season, and rightly so. I did say I felt he scored in, in spurts, and we mustn't forget over the, a two or three per- year period, and something isn't quite right. I'm a big fan of his. I like him. I think he can he can be world-class on any given day, but he's not doing it consistency, consistently. And the basics of what you want to do going forward and or your forwards tracking back for you, He's just not doing. There's a big, big problem there. And I feel for Ten Hag because the recruitment has been very, very poor from before he's come in. He's got a little bit to blame with some of the players that's come in. But it, this is this is the absolute Titanic trying to turn around. No Maguire, no Mount, no Varane um, in midweek. But the defence, are they incredibly lucky that Lyle Foster is suspended this weekend. Uh, They are the first Manchester United defence to concede three or more in three consecutive games since 1978. Not even I was born then. Um, Crook, I mean, Lyle Foster would have had a field day against this lot because I thought it was terrific on Monday night, actually. He was really good at sort of causing um, Nottingham Forest problems. And Luca Colosho is going to run ragged down that left-hand side. Yeah, he is because Dallo, um, I think, has started the season poorly as well. And actually, when I recorded a, a video piece for Talk Sport in the summer, who should stay and who should go, Dallo was one that I would have cashed in on because I don't think he's good enough, um, to be honest. And I think it's unfortunate for United that Wambasaka has picked up this injury that's going to keep him out for a, a couple of months. Um, I take your point on Foster, but if Jay Rodriguez comes in, he's got a bit of history when it comes to doing damage to Manchester United. So that doesn't necessarily fill me with confidence. Isn't he older than Scott? <laughs> he might well be he might well be um, but they're going to have to pick up um, Amdouni in midfield as well because I thought he was excellent in that game on oh, Monday night with that. his movement his guile and I was watching Christian Eriksen last night Adrian had it on his monitor at uh, the Emirates he looked shot to pieces Eriksen you know his legs have gone and I think that's a big problem against someone young and quick and feisty like Amdouni. So th- there's going to be a lot of issues that Manchester United are going to have to contend with with this Burnley side. Away from home, Saturday night, under the lights. I know you hate that phrase, but it's, it's a difficult game. Uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer did an interview in midweek. It's his first since he was um, let go by Manchester United. He said the club wanted Jude Bellingham um, and Harry Kane, but couldn't afford them. Yet they've spent money elsewhere, actually, which now looks quite baffling, really. Um, he also admits Maguire wasn't his first choice of captain. I mean, I, I just think, wonder, is this interview a case of, sort of pouring petrol on a bonfire, given the state of the club currently? Because all it's going to do is sort of is cause more issues for, for for those that are currently in charge, doesn't it, Scott? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, it's not needed. I think it's been a pressure on Ten Hag. But I think what it is, do, if you, if you really think about it, is I think, he got a lot of stick, Oli, uh, and, and a lot of it rightly so, um, because he's not a top-class manager. And a lot of the standards that we're talking about now was kind of uh, falling away under his, his tutelage. I think he, but he's trying to say, look, I didn't do a bad job. You know, uh, it's almost one of those. 
it's well, all he about didn't. him. <laughs> when you look, well, look at it now. <laughs> well, that's that's exactly what he wants, Sam. That's that's why he's come out now to say, look, look what look what's happening now under another person. Maybe I didn't do a bad job. So, I I, I don't think he's got the best interests of Manchester United at heart by coming out and saying that. It's all about protectionism for him. But he's not wrong in a lot of the things. But I do think a lot of the standards were dropping. I, I know, would be surprised if that was the case there. with Oli. I would be surprised if if he's done it. You know, to to sort of why else would he do it, Sam? There's self protectionism, yeah. But I don't think he's not got Manchester United's best interests. It's not at helpful one thing, though, is it? It's not helpful by saying there were senior it, it, it players who helpful. turned down so the captaincy to, because straight away I've, I've been getting text messages saying, "Well, who's that then? Rashford." It puts everybody under suspicion. Actually, if you're going to say that, have the courage in your convictions to name names. And let's not sugarcoat this. Yep. There was a short-term uplift under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for long-term pain because those drop-in standards, that no-good culture that Eric Ten Hag has talked about, was on his watch. I agree. So it's now not the de Glazer's fault. It's now Solskjaer's fault. Okay, fine. As long as we've got I, I, someone I, I, to blame I, that isn't the little bored genius. Uh, let's talk about him because stories midweek that the club are a little bit concerned about his insistence of using his agent, Keyes Voss. I think we alluded to this uh, in the summer in the Amrabat deal, the Hoyland deal, uh, and even tried to involve him in selling Harry Maguire. Have the club spoken about this, Alex? Uh, no, they don't want to comment. And, and actually, listen... I get it. It, it. When things are going badly, I think he's... He's not a very popular bloke, is he, this agent? No, he's not. And I, actually, that, that's quite that's quite important. I've spoken to people attached to other Premier League clubs and they describe him as quite a disruptive character. Um, so I think that's an issue as opposed to the fact that United have, have used him to sign a lot of players. Because I think if you look at a lot of football clubs, they attach themselves to, to certain agents. And with the Amrabat deal... I mean, my view on it is that the Glazers dug their heels all summer because they didn't want to spend any money. But this agent did manage to get the deal over the line, whereas obviously Amrabat's previous people couldn't. So uh, it, it, I, I get the suspicions. And then you look at £72 million for Rasmus Hoyle and you think, well, you know, is that too much money? To be fair, based on what we've seen so far, I think he might end up justifying that price tag. But I think more of a problem is the character of this agent. From what I'm told, he's not a particularly good influence yeah. around football clubs. Um, as for Burnley, still winless, unlucky to leave City's uh, the City ground last time out without all three points after a couple of VAR checks, which didn't go uh, their way. How much of a, a problem will they pose for Manchester United, do you think, Scott? We mentioned Dan Dooney and Colly Osho, who were excellent in the game on Monday night. Um, but, yeah, this is... This is a good team, isn't it? I mean, they've had a really tough start to the season. The fixture list didn't help them, I don't think. The pause after the first week didn't help them, I don't think. But, you know, they, 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 Vincent Company, who I spoke to on Monday night, he's uh, he's got a good group, which he's had to re-patch up again this summer. Yeah. Um, it's amazing how now suddenly Burnley are looking a very good side with Manchester United <laughs> in a bit of crisis when... You know, they've only got one talk point them on up, the board. Talk them up, just in case. Well, listen, we don't want Crook. He's, got, he's grumpy enough as it is. You know, someone dared mention Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and he almost exploded like a packet of fireworks. I, well, I'll be honest with you, Sam. I'm with it. I'm with him on that, um, with Ole. And just on, on the, the agent thing as well, I don't really care whether he's divisive. Whether he, it's about whether he does a good job. And I do have a problem with a, a club going with the same agent all the time because it should be about the player, not the agent who you've got on the books. So that that's my biggest problem, and I don't know if it's right. And apologies, um, this is this is Scott Minto saying it, not Talk Sport. Um, is Ten Hag's son 
part of the agency as well. I, I don't know it if works that's the as case. an analyst for them, I think, yes. Right. But there's okay. also a Guardiola um, relative attached to that agency, isn't there? What does he do? Um, You're not sure. Right, okay, well, maybe no. we should find that um, out. I bet, I bet Ken knows because he's an analyst, so he's probably got more information. Excellent. Look, back to Burnley. I think for Burnley, this is the best time to play Manchester United. I'm not going to say it's the perfect game for them, but when you're, you've got a lot of players who have been brought in, it, it, it is taking a bit of time to gel. It has been a, a poor start, albeit they have played some some tough games. Um, but you t- you're talking about now, if Burnley are to not be talked about and not be in the relegation zone come towards the end of the season, they need to start picking up points. Because I'm telling you now, I, I've been there with, with, with experience. Once you don't have a good start to the season, it's very difficult to turn it around. So they need to pick up points. I think, as you mentioned, Lyle Foster being suspended will be a blow, but they have got pace. And that's where they need to try and rely on that. And just really first 20 minutes, go at United and see how their reaction is. Indeed. Let's find out what happens on Saturday night, live on Talk Sport. Looking forward to it. Uh, let's get on to the rest of Saturday now. Sunday's a big day. We'll get there in just a few moments as well. Uh, starting with another evening clash in the capital. at the moment isn't it Brentford against Everton Everton's financial situation looking uh, almost like the uh, Lehman brothers um, it gets worse and worse and worse every time you pick up a newspaper uh, I spoke about the concerns of the prospective new owners last week but the idea that they've had to loan the club money in order to meet the wage payments is a little bit concerning I mean you you'd anticipate from that, that that they believe that the takeover is incredibly likely otherwise they wouldn't have done it but also I mean they would expect the takeover to go through anyway, because otherwise they wouldn't have picked the club, the club in the first place. But what happens at the end of next month, Crook? Because on the 25th of October, there is a hearing to do with FFP. And there is a possibility that Everton walk away from that with some sort of points deduction. Well, I think, that, does this relate to a charge in terms of tax on payments towards their new stadium? Is that one of the allegations against them? Well, one of the allegations, it's not entirely clear what it's all about, but the, the reports are that that is, is, is one of the main allegations. The other allegations are to do with the fact that they've had considerable losses and how they've accounted for those. And I think there was legal action that was threatened by a few of the clubs that have been relegated recently towards the end of last season, if you remember rightly, um, about Everton's financial practices. That was dropped after the Premier League decided that they would investigate and take this matter to the, the next stage, which is where we could get our first sort of penalty for financial fair play. Yeah, well, there's two schools of thought on this. What One, is it a good look on the Premier League if they are punishing one of their clubs for financial irregularities, deducting points and therefore upsetting the balance of sporting fair play? I think that could be bad news for Sean Dyche because there are some whispers uh, that maybe his position is under scrutiny. And you'll say this is rinse and repeat for Everton, start the season badly, sack a manager, bring someone else in and just about stay up. But I think if the new owners are going to have a say, then potentially Sean Dyche could be in a bit of trouble. But it, it doesn't help the atmosphere at the club, Scott, because imagine if you're a player there. Listen, Sean Dyche targets certain games, and they didn't target last week's game against Everton. You could see that the players weren't as driven, as as motivated, as hungry to go and hunt in packs as they had been in previous matches that we've seen Everton play. This is a match that 
I mean, not that they'll think they can win, but they, they, they have to try and get something from. Away at home uh, from Brentford is, is not an easy place to go. We all know that. But they, they've also got to start putting points on the board. They've got one point from the opening five games. But it, they do look like a club that, you know, everyone looks a little bit depressed at Everton, don't they? Well, it's been like that for a few years now, Sam. And, I, you know, I can't believe, and I'm not saying you're not right, that I heard you say, he targets certain games and this wasn't one of them. You know, this is the Everton Arsenal game wasn't club. one. The Arsenal one this wasn't is, one. Yeah, this is Everton Football Club. Off the back of an international break where Arsenal have got internationals all over the place. I actually, if I, if I genuinely believe that he didn't target that game, then, then, then maybe he does need to go because I can't believe that's the case. I think personally, which actually is worse in the long term, that he's got a bunch of players who are already playing with a massive lack of confidence how it's ended of, of the last season and the previous season as well. And the lack of confidence has kicked in so early that they feel that they can't even beat or get close to a team like Arsenal. You know, well, let me, they, let me got, clarify having... what I mean by he, he, he won't have targeted that game. He has a, a big board in his office, right? Okay, And he'll, he'll go through every single fixture and he'll start plotting a route to safety. And he'll do that by attaching points to every single game. And he would look to that Arsenal game and he would have put naught points alongside it. I'm not saying that he is just accepting that they were going to get beat in that game. But that wasn't a match where he thought, we're going to post three points. Had they have done that, massive bonus. And he's ahead of schedule where he expects to be. That's what I mean by he hasn't targeted that game. That's how he'll plot his way through the season. He'll see certain, certain opportunities over the course of the season to get three points that will add up eventually to the number of points that he thinks they require to stay in the league. And by and large, Sean Dyche always achieves that. Well, then you're relying on getting the points that you think you'll get the points from. And yep. you're relying on the wins that you think you'll get the wins from. And what if you don't? You're playing catch up. Absolutely. Now, this is Arsenal. where they, they had a fantastic record at Goodison Park against Arsenal. You know, I, I, I don't, I, I agree with you. Yeah. The, the way you've done it and you've clarified it. I didn't expect um, Everton to get any points there. But my point is, they couldn't get near them, not just because Arsenal were, were playing brilliant, because they weren't, but I think already the weight of what's happened in the last couple of years and the pressure already of being in a, a relegation scrap is there. And that is extremely worrying for Everton fans. Yeah, is indeed. Um, Brentford manager Thomas Frank was on Monday Night Football this week. He was pretty frank, um, talking about the penalty that they were, well, that was given against them at the weekend with Anthony Gordon. He was also frank about Ivan Tony, saying that he would sell at the right play at the right price. I think that that deal's done. Don't tell anyone it's a secret. I think there's a deal that's already been done. Right. I think it's done. Um, one player who has uh, come in. For a little bit of stick is their goalkeeper Mark Flecken. Now Crook and I um, had a little blow your mind session on uh, Wednesday night because obviously, as you know, Scott, he is best mates with Aaron Ramsdale. So when Aaron <laughs> Ramsdale got dropped from the Arsenal team, he's gone into absolute meltdown, um, and he thinks that Arteta is a, this horrible man. He actually sent me a rather offensive message saying uh, that Arteta was this and that, and I said to him. No, no, he's just picked the better goalkeeper. And he's like, no. Anyway, Red rag for ball. It was a little bit. Um, but uh, Aaron Ramsdale is the Premier League's bottom goalkeeper this season for 
post-shot expected goals against per 90. Now, Crook, obviously, when he got this statistic off me, ignored it because he thought, I don't know what that is. Shut up, Matterface. This is too detailed. Go away. Um, <laughs> obviously, he said it with some four-letter words rather than those. <laughs> but I explained to you that it is this. Basically, once a shot has been taken, there is a value attached to it, like every other shot that's imparted during a football match, um, as whether or not it's going to be likely or not to hit the back of the net. He is underperforming on those numbers. So shots that he would be expected to save, he hasn't been saving. And this isn't a new thing. He's bottom of the table for this season, but he was sort of mid-table-ish last season. And David Raya was right at the very top, second or third in the league last season. This season, Ramsdale's bottom, the fourth bottom goalkeeper, 18th out of the 21 that have been used, is Mark Flecken. So it is a bit of a surprise, really, that David Raya has been allowed to leave and they've decided to start with this goalkeeper who clearly isn't isn't as good as David Raya Crook. Listen, I, I think you have to look beyond metrics. I think you have to look at character um, and the role that Aaron Ramsdale played in the dressing room and on the pitch last season. I don't think it is a good thing having two potential number ones. We've had that conversation about Brighton and Roberto De Zerbi. It, it doesn't work. You need to pick a number one. Actually, whatever Arteta is saying outwardly, it seems he has picked a number one. It's David Raya. But I think Aaron Ramsdale yes, earned yeah. the right to play in that Champions League game last night. And let's be honest, you could have played in goal and the outcome would have been the same. David Raya's kept two clean sheets. How many shots he had to save in, in those two matches? So I, I think it is brutal on Ramsdale. The counter-argument is that the best managers make the brutal decisions. I feel this is unnecessarily brutal. So did Adrian Durham when we were presenting from the Emirates. So it's not just because I know Aaron, I've seen him come up from Bournemouth and work his way up to be an England goalkeeper. You know, what, what a week he's had. This time last week, he was basking the glory of playing for his country in a big game against Scotland. And then last night, he's looking around from the bench at the Emirates thinking, I should be out there. So... I do feel sorry for him, and I think you'd have to have a heart of stone not to feel sorry for Aaron Ramsdale. <laughs> and I don't necessarily think Raya is a better goalkeeper, by the way. I don't think you can only judge football on statistics. He's also very good with his feet, um, although he did put a couple into the crowd last night, but um, statistically his, uh, his feet are also better than Ramsdale's in terms of long passes, but that's because at Brentford that was the style, I suppose. Anyway, more love letters to Aaron Ramsdale on no, the way. Let's get Scott's view on it. Let's get, let's get a third that, take on it. Let's get a decisive uh, decision. It was, it, was, I, it, was, it, was, it was actually a question about Mark Flecken. Uh, anyway. I would like to give an opinion. I mean, should we do it now or in the Arsenal-Spurs uh, game? You, you tell well, he me. sort of started it, hasn't he? So he might okay. as well go. So we might, we've started, so we'll finish. I, I actually agree with, with Crookie. I think Aaron Ramsdale is a is a fantastic goalkeeper. I'm, so, so in those stats, it's it's saying it's not necessarily a team's expected to score. It's that he's expected no, to he save. He personally is expected to save more shots than right. he is at this moment in time. But look, listen, that's one statistic. The, 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 the actual thing as well is about how he plays with his feet. You know, Raya is a little bit more direct can go longer which Arsenal are trying to do more this season to vary up their play to get to a play to get um Havertz in the game for example in the game on on, on 
Wednesday night they were doing that. I just think he has decided that he's a better goalkeeper. If right, he's decided right. he's a better goalkeeper, he wants to put him in the team. Right. Listen, so, Thierry so- Henry said it last night, right? Okay, I was doing a show for CBS. Um, he said last night, Thierry Henry, he said he got rid of Burnt Leno because he thought Aaron Ramsdale could take him into the top four. He's benched Aaron Ramsdale and brought in David Raya because he thinks David Raya can help him win something. Right. So I was just about to say, why not say that? I, would, I, I wouldn't recommend Mikel Arteta to come out and say what the last thing you've just said. But don't say, I've got two number ones. I'll decide what I'm going to do. I wish I'd have taken a goalkeeper off a couple of times last season, but I didn't have the balls to do it. Um, this is my number one from here on in. Why not just come out and say that? You know, don't, don't, don't start... I'm all for being ruthless. I'm all for, do you know what? Actually, he's the guy who's taken us to this, but he's the guy who's going to take us to the promised land. And I'm not saying he should come out and definitely say that, but don't come out and say I've got two number ones. Because Aaron Ramsdale is already annoyed with the arrival of David Raya. You have that personal conversation behind the closed doors. If he doesn't like it, he doesn't like it. It's as simple as that. He's got to be professional and carry on being a number two. But don't start talking about, oh, both are number ones. Just come out and say how it is. Yeah, um, those conversations must have happened beforehand, you would expect, um, behind closed doors, even if he hasn't said it to us. Because he, one thing that we, we know about Mikel Arteta is actually he's quite a good communicator behind the scenes. I, I remember speaking to Nuno Tavares after he was sort of savaged on the sidelines by Arteta at a game at Nottingham Forest and dragged off. And then three weeks later, no, three months later, he was playing and scoring in a game. And I spoke to him and he said, oh, he's brilliant, Mikel. He, t- he, taught, he taught me so much and how to learn from that experience. And I was like, OK, he took me to one side and he dealt with me in the right way. And I thought, well, OK, that's impressive. Um, uh, Crook, in terms of Aaron Ramsdale, though, and listen, we've, we've, we've sort of deviated here because we were talking about Mark Flecken and the fact that they allowed David Raya to go at uh, Brentford and, and replaced him with a goalkeeper that looks inferior. But anyway, um, Ramsdale linked with moves away. Is that how you sort of read the room now? You, um, best friend? Let's start with the best friend nonsense, shall we? Um, by the way, uh, Flecker will keep a clean sheet. <laughs> He's getting Fleck, on Fleck again. Flecker will keep a clean sheet this weekend, for sure. If he wasn't, if he wasn't already married, he would ask him to be his best um, man, wouldn't he? He would. I don't <laughs> think he's desperate to leave Arsenal. I, I think, you know, he loves the club. I think to this point, he's had a pretty seamless relationship with Mikel Arteta. But obviously the, the big issue at the end of the season is the European Championships. And he's made his uh, claim to be the number one with that game against Scotland. I think Pickford's going to be the number one anyway, barring injury. But I think for Ramsdale now, he just makes a short... He just has to make sure that not only is he on the plane, but that he's the, the next best option behind Pickford. And it's difficult to do that from the Arsenal bench. So I think if it continues and he's not in the team between now and January, and I think there are interested clubs, then he might have a big decision to make. OK, a Manchester City against Nottingham Forest. A nice routine home win for Manchester City here after a nice easy midweek in the Champions League. Do you see any jeopardy for Manchester City in that game, Scott? Um. No, but I, I actually have been impressed with Forrest. And, you know, they were the worst away team last season in the Premier League, weren't they? But, you know, we covered them first game of the season. And once Steve Cooper made a couple of substitutions, that last 20 minutes, they got Arsenal scared. And, and the fans were definitely scared. They were 2 up after five minutes at Old Trafford. They'd beaten Sheffield United. They'd beaten Chelsea. I think they've got some really good players going forward in Awani and Elanga, Gibbs-White, Hudson-Odoi. There's Origi who can come off the bench. So I, I think they can not, not necessarily hurt Manchester City. I expect a, um, a home win and the scoreline will eventually probably be two goals plus. But 
you know, City have played midweek. Um, they are used to that. But Forest have had the whole week to prepare. Physically, they'll be up for this. And I don't think they'll make it easy. Um, and we said at the start of the season, in that Arsenal game, we looked at that run of away games that they had and we thought, my goodness, how many points are they going to pick up there? They're well ahead of schedule. Yeah, they've done well. And uh, they've recruited, since we saw them at Arsenal, about another 12 players. Uh, I spoke to Steve Cooper in, extensively this week and uh, that he, he believes they've got some really talented players in that squad now. And it's going to take a little bit of t- time for some of them to get up to speed because the Premier League is so much quicker and faster to anything that you're, you're used to on the continent. So it will take a little bit of time for Ibrahim Sangare, for example, who played OK on Monday night, but had a couple of moments where he wasn't quite settled. But he's going to be a very good player. hudson Adoy was terrific, I thought. Uh, but he still he needs to get minutes under his belt because he hasn't played uh, for so Long. Luton against Wolves, live on TalkSport 2 at 3 o'clock. Well, look, these are two teams that are expected to be down there at the bottom. It's time for Luton to start showing something. I mean, look, let's uh, let's let's speak to Ryan Giles about uh, how the squad feels, about everybody writing them off, because Crookie's been in conversation with him. I get it. I see why people can more think like that, but I don't think us as players need to listen to the outside noise as such and, and just focus on on the job at hand really people might want to use it as fuel people have different ways of dealing with things and 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 yeah and I think we just from my opinion I would just say focus on ourselves and focus on the job at hand and we know how tough it is there's no denying that and I get why people will think that we're obviously not the favourites to obviously stay in the division but we have a belief in camp and I think that's the most important thing. So obviously they want to prove everybody wrong and I, and I get that but the mood will be, I think, a little bit darker at Kenilworth Road. Should they not get anything from this game, Crook? Yeah, I, d- I did put it to Ryan as well, that even this early in the season, that this feels like a very significant matchup when, when you look at where the two teams are. At the table, Luton, the only side yet to pick up a point. Wolves with just that one victory uh, against Everton. Obviously, both of them struggling for goals. Luton have only scored twice. Uh, Wolves, five goals across their five matches. So I think we need to see a different face to Luton um, because I think... I think they've been, obviously they've been poor so far, but I think their style of play has been very negative. I think they've got to be a lot more positive in this game against a relegation rival. I think they can afford to open up a bit against a Wolves side who, who don't carry much of a punch going forward. I think if they lose this game, I think that's a real problem even this early in the season. Wolves do carry a punch going forward. They've just got a little bit of an issue putting the ball in the net. Uh, they just miss the target when they're punching. That's the problem. Um, it's a fairly big uh, one. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's a pretty big one. Just just on Luton, Sam, um, I, I, I do think there's some really important games coming up. And again, I talked about the start of the season. If you don't do well, how that can build sort of an momentum and ch- in a negative way and chip away your confidence. They, they've looked, they've got Wolves, who I think are a very good side, actually. But as you say, you can't put the board in the back of the net. So therefore they do have their problems. Exit away in the in the EFL Cup. Then they've got Everton away. And then they've got Burnley at home. I think those next few games are not necessarily going to define their season, but if it goes pear-shaped, you know, there's going to be a gap. And I, I don't think they yet believe they're almost the imposter syndrome that they're, they're worthy of being in the Premier League. And they, they need to wake up fast because, you know, at the moment they're going down. This is what we all thought. Palace against Fulham kicks off at three o'clock on Saturday, returns the dugout for Roy Hodgson, which is good to see. Uh, Pleased that he is back. Um, And um, Fulham quietly going about their business. They picked up three points against Luton last time out. Palace have had an okay start to the season as well, Crook. 
yeah, they're sort of locked side by side in the table, both in the top half, which they'll be delighted with. I think it was interesting to see Jao Paulinha commit to a new long-term contract at Fulham, bearing in mind that he was <laughs> pretty much wearing a Bayern Munich shirt on deadline day. Uh, but they seem to have got his head back in the right space. I think this will be Which a draw. credit to Marco Silva, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think this will be a draw, probably a low-scoring draw, and I'm not sure it's going to be first on match today, but then you look at Saturday's games, I'm not sure which one will be first on match. Today. Someone's got to be. Someone's <laughs> got to be. Um, uh, that's Saturday's action. Um, so let's uh, sink our teeth into the significant Sunday uh, where a mouth-watering day begins with the first North London derby of the season. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Herdegaard shoots low, comes for Saka! Saka puts it in! Arsenal level, the flag stays down! Rivalry in this obviously is big. Definitely it's going to be an exciting game and, you know, everyone's looking forward to it. Slips it into Madison. Madison passed the goalkeeper and in with a little delicate touch, rolling his studs over the ball. Brilliant. I mean, he, he looks like he's been playing at Spurs for years. Yeah. What is it about this fixture that inspires and stirs the passion that elevates your performance? Spurs, you know they're in good form. That looks a classic game next week. The biggest derby for a long, long time. It will be great because I know how much that means uh, for everybody at the club, for our supporters and for the success of our system. Whenever I get stopped in the in the street these days, uh, that's the first picture people talk about, whether whatever side of the fence they're on. So it's it's a big game. There's the twist in the tail, and the pendulum has swung in the most dramatic of fashion. When it comes to the North London derby, form goes out of the way, and it's all about who's up for it on the day. Well, Crookie, you're going to this one with Perry Groves. Big Ange has made a big impact. This is his first proper test, though, Scott, isn't it? I know they played Manchester United, but, you know. Um, but Spurs have only <laughs> ever won once <laughs> at the Emirates in the Premier League. Can Chelsea they, can in this they league table. Oh, I'm yeah. joking. I'm just winding you up. It just makes me feel better, like it does you. Uh, when, when you have a bad result, I cheer up. When I have a bad result, 
uh, you cheer up. The thing is, is they usually happen in consecutive days. Um, can, can can Spurs win this weekend? Scott, what do you reckon? Oh, look, can they win? Absolutely. Uh, by the way, if you look at the table, um, Newcastle 12th, United 13th, Chelsea 14th. Uh, anyway, um, can they win? Absolutely. Of course they can. I, I don't think they will, but I think what we are going to see is is Ange Ball going to the Emirates and actually this is going to be a crack of a game because of the way that Spurs are going to play. You know, if, if Conte was still in charge, you'd kind of know how this was going to go where it'd be possession, possession, possession for Arsenal. Can they break them down? But both teams, Arsenal at home, the way they play, Ange with the way he plays as well. Absolutely. Madison for me is key. I think he's absolutely brilliant. But there's so many other players within Spurs that that seem to have been revamped or really enjoying playing football at the moment. So I, I wouldn't say this is the perfect time to go to the Emirates. But, you know, don't forget they have had a, a game themselves and that would have taken a little bit out of them physically. So I, I, I think I, it's going to be an absolute cracker. And, and one thing I can guarantee is, is lots of goals. Uh, Son is playing well. Romero's better than he was. Vicario's made a couple of good stops so far. Um, Richarlison scoring the goal. Maybe it's an opportunity for him to turn this, the corner. You talked about Madison, a first North London derby for him. He's the kind of character that's really going to sort of relish this. But what about Arsenal? Good outfit to me, I think. They look like a good team. You have to engage them. You have to battle them. You have to get close to them. You can't give them any room if you do and you, you let them play, they will take you apart because they've got weapons on all different sides of the pitch. I mean, you know, the, the, we talk about the fact they haven't got an out-and-out goal scorer, but they've just got goals from everywhere. One of the key facets from Wednesday night's game is that four goals, four different goal scorers, Crook, and Gabriel Jesus definitely coming back into form. Yeah, none of those goal scorers, Kai Havertz, you wonder where his first goal might come from. In fact, one of our producers uh, whispered in my ear on Wednesday night, will Urian Timber score for Arsenal before Havertz, which I thought was a little bit harsh. Um, but Gabriel Jesus was excellent in that game. Bad kid. Against PSV, held the ball up, really clever runs, took his goal superbly. I mean, he was given the freedom of the penalty area, but my word, did he lash it in. I'm surprised I was looking at the betting earlier. Arsenal odds-on favourites for this game, which I guess is a reflection of, of their home form um, and actually probably a reflection on the fact that, as you said, Sam, I know you were trying to have a pop at United, but Tottenham haven't really played anybody yet. And actually, they weren't great against Sheffield United. You mentioned Son. He was pretty anonymous in that game. I'm really looking forward to it. I don't think I've been to a North London derby before, so it would be my first taste of that fixture. I think the atmosphere is going to be electric, but I actually think Arsenal will come through it maybe more comfortably than we expect. I've gone for a 3-1 Arsenal victory, especially if Postacoglu does try and go toe-to-toe because PSV tried that in the week and obviously Spurs are better than them. But Arsenal have so many weapons going forward. I think they're better as a defensive unit than Spurs. So I think it'll be a home win. Um, you will get chances against them, won't you, Scott? Because last night was the first, or Wednesday night, was the, the first clean sheet at home since March. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, I can I'm listening to Crookie and I understand where he's coming from. And I think Arsenal, well, they are ahead uh, in the process of where they want to be and who's playing. But I just, I, you know, I just think again, maybe a little bit of tiredness from Arsenal for, for midweek. Yes, okay, it was comfortable, but still, you know, Spurs have had all week to, to to prepare. James Madison, you've mentioned him. He absolutely loves these type of occasions. You know, this is he'll be sleeping the night before thinking. You know, this is a bet. This is for me. I'm going to score the winning goal or or set up the winning goal. And I, they do, as I say, I think both teams will score. Both teams will score is a definite bet. 
you know, I think actually it could be a, a 2-2 draw or something like that. But to be fair, what Crookie said, I, I wouldn't argue with him. I just think they've got match winners everywhere, both teams. Yeah. So it's one of those where you've just got no idea. It's whoever plays well on the day. And I think both teams do have character. But I, I, it's a game I can't wait to watch, I've got to be honest. Yeah, for me, the only real difference, not the only real difference, there's a lot of difference. I think Arsenal are so much further ahead. I think their defence is a little bit better balanced than Tottenham's defence. So I think that they will have a lot more of the ball. They're, uh, they are incisive. And I would just wonder whether or not Tottenham can keep them at bay as much as they will need to, bearing in mind it's at the Emirates, the weapons we've already discussed. I think Jesus played really well on Wednesday night. And if he's in that sort of form against uh, Tottenham Hotspur, then uh, it's going to be a good day to be a gunner again. But we shall see because Ange Postecoglou is very popular and he's put in, injected new belief into Tottenham's team. Chelsea against Aston Villa. Uh, it's a must win for Chelsea, isn't it? I mean, Scott, you probably need to sort of discuss this. I'm going on Sunday. Um, and um, the narrative around Chelsea is almost as, uh, as sort of chaotic as the one around Manchester United, having spent a billion quid and, and, and had a, a relatively easy start to the season, really. I mean, you're of the opinion, Scott, and you spoke to me about this privately on Tuesday night, that you think it's not as bad as everybody's making out. Please make that case. No, well, well, OK, so, so what I'm saying, I actually think they're worse than Manchester United in terms of the owners have come in, they've spent a billion pounds, they've made the squad somehow worse. Um, they've created a culture of managers cannot come in and succeed. Graham Potter had no chance, no chance, because he didn't have the reputation behind him, so he wasn't going to be given time. And and with the way that Abramovich dealt with his managers, you know, the fans were used to that going away. Frank Lampard had no chance no chance unless he somehow found a way to get past Real Madrid. So you come to this season now and I actually don't disagree with the ins. I'm disappointed with the outs, but they were forced because of FFP and I feel the club have lose the, lost a bit of its soul. But I've seen a lot of the games and I watched the, um, what was the last game? Bournemouth. Um, I was working, well, Millwall Leeds and I did another game in the evening. So I watched it uh, Tuesday morning. And Chelsea could have been two or three nil up in the first 15 minutes. Now, Chelsea actually are not playing bad football. But what I don't like is they haven't got someone who can regularly stick the ball in the back of the net. Now, I do like Nicholas Jackson. And I'm interested whether it's you or producer Jeremy giving me a bit of stick for saying that I didn't say he'd be the best player, Premier League striker. It's um, Jeremy. Think he says, can you please stop calling him? the uh, best striker in the Premier yeah. League. He couldn't hit, hit snow off a rope, was his phrase, he said. Which I think <laughs> it's a little can, bit unfair. If he can find me actually saying he's the best Premier League striker, then I will take him out for a meal. I can if imagine that Jeremy couldn't be bothered to do that. No, exactly. So, well, he comes from the, the crookie school of sort of journalism. If, it, if the quote doesn't fit, just make it sound <laughs> like it does anyway. <laughs> Sorry, but, but honestly, Sorry. So that's a little bit know, out of order because he doesn't do that anymore. No, he's a very hardworking producer and he's on his way to the to the top. That's um, obviously Jeremy I'm talking about, not Crookie. Um, <laughs> Crookie's always there. <laughs> no, on a, on a serious note, Nicholas Jackson is a player. Now, let's not get into the modern society of judging someone. He's rubbish if he's rubbish in that particular game and he's brilliant if he's brilliant in one particular game. I've seen enough of him to say that he will be a proper player for Chelsea in the Premier League. 
But what they need is everyone else to when they get the chances to actually put the ball in the back of the net. Raheem Sterling had a wonderful chance after eight minutes or something. Nicholas Jackson hit the post, who was unlucky there. So what I'm saying is actually they are creating the chances. And if they're able to put the ball in the back of the net, the game completely changes, Sam. They're 2-0 up at Bournemouth. Bournemouth ain't coming back and, and getting the point out of that. No chance. So that's why I'm talking about they're not a million miles away. But I do agree they need to start winning. Now, this can't keep on going on because I saw up until the Forest game enough green shoots to say, I like what Poch is trying to do here. But to lose against Forest at home and to draw against Bournemouth away isn't good enough. Villa are a decent side. You know, they're a side that will go on and win the Europa Conference League and may well finish in the top seven again. So this is not going to be a, a tough game. It's not going to be an easy game where people turn around and say, this is must win. It doesn't work like that. But Chelsea need to start winning football matches. They're going to lose on Sunday, aren't they, Crook? And uh, <laughs> I'm going to be sitting there watching them do it and it's going to be depressing. And I've got to stay there for two hours afterwards as well just to sort of pour over the, the, the carcass that is going to be another defeat. Um, unless you can tell me otherwise. I'm not confident that Chelsea will win. Um, I've got to say, I think Villa have um, have the capability to go there with a game plan and, and nick a result. I think it probably will be quite low scoring uh, based on what we said about Chelsea and their lack of end product, if you like. Um, I think the one ray of hope for Chelsea, actually, and I will give you a little straw. To oh, please, on. come on. Come on, give me a give me a straw. Well, they like go to Poland on Thursday night, don't they? Um, which is which is obviously a new experience for a lot of their players. Might sap Not a bit for of Matty energy. Cash, he plays for them. <laughs> but no, but just in terms of this Thursday Sunday conundrum, which, which seems to fry footballers' brains more than playing Wednesday Saturday, which I've never quite understood. But yeah, that's one that's one ray of light because they've had a full week in training, Chelsea, haven't they? After that Bournemouth game, and Scott's right. If they'd taken a couple of their opportunities, they win the game, but. They weren't defensively tight at the other end either. Bournemouth, with better on product, could have won the game themselves. So, yeah, this is a difficult game for Chelsea. Again, I could probably see it being a draw, actually. Let's go for a low-scoring draw, same as Fulham Palace. Uh, Liverpool against West Ham United is another 2 o'clock kickoff. There's so many 2 o'clock kickoffs this Sunday. It's going to be brilliant. I can't wait um, for the Sunday session, 1.30 on Sunday on TalkSport. Uh, two sides that have both played in Europe on Thursday night. Klopp really can't have too many complaints about this kickoff time. Um, Liverpool have got a bit of a midfield worry. McAllister in particular looks a little bit sort of heavy-legged against Wolves. Should Bosley, I think, look better when he played in a more deeper position? I, I've got this feeling that Liverpool are going to kick into gear over the course of the next uh, few weeks. They'll start finding their rhythm. They've got that sort of setup that's starting to take shape now in the midfield. They need a bit more legs in there which is why I thought they were impressive when Elliot came onto the pitch in uh, the game at Molyneux. And I do think, you know, they'll rest a few on Thursday night. So they've got sort of fresher legs for Sunday. Darwin Nunez not really kicked on since that match-winning performance against Newcastle. It just seems to be the way his career has gone so far, uh, Scott, in the Premier League anyway. Yeah, look, we're, we're both fans of his, aren't we? And he, he's yeah. shown what he can do, but he's got to start doing it on a consistent basis. And I, I think that's why he hasn't been starting a lot of games because Jurgen Klopp doesn't have that faith in him to do that on a consistent basis. And this is a big season. Look, I've defended him. I think he'll be an well, he is an absolute defender's nightmare. You did say he was game. the best striker in the league, didn't you? Before you bestowed that honour on Nicholas Jackson. So your, your track record is. Uh... I did not say that. Now, now he now, said Anthony again, Martial was the best striker in the league before that. <laughs> <laughs> About Bengals before that. 
good. I'm getting straight on the phone to my lawyer after this, and uh, there's going to be some. Uh, some He's as good as tipping around. strikers as Kevin Hatchard is at uh, tipping German imports. <laughs> I, I did hear Kevin Hatchard admit this week finally that Jaden Sancho has not quite been the signing that he thought he would be at Manchester United. It's only taken two years for the penny to drop on that one. I, I screen capped the uh, latest FIFA rankings today and sent them to Kev uh, and asked him where in the top 10 Germany were. Um, obviously, couldn't <laughs> find them. <laughs> anyway. No, but do, do you know what, Sam? Uh, actually, it's uh, it's a really good thing for Liverpool that you've still got Darwin Nunez, who hasn't yet hit the straps, um, and yet they are. You feel they're coming. You know, they're still. You feel a long way off Manchester City, but people are saying that now that it's it's them and Arsenal who can can try and challenge City, not just Arsenal. So Jurgen Klopp, to be fair to him, is finding a way. Uh, you know, I I love McAllister. I think he's a great player. Um, he's still finding his feet. He's been asked to play, perhaps in not his favourite position. Um, Shabozlai, I think, is a is a Rolls Royce. He can play, you know, he's he's that that eight really, isn't he? Going, you know, box to box, and then they've got they have got uh, goals up front as well. You know, three against Wolves, three against Villa, um, and I agree, this is going to be a really tough game for West Ham. Who, who to be fair to them, were a little bit unlucky. Um, not necessarily saying they they should have got even a point against City, but you know they're in a good place right now, so this won't be easy for Liverpool. But I do expect a home win. No, and uh, in regards to this match, um, Liverpool have conceded in three of their four Premier League wins this season, and that's been their biggest issue, the fact that they've conceded probably too many goals. And that, I think that's a bit of a worry, especially, you know, from set pieces, they've been a bit of a, 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 a bit vulnerable. And West Ham are very good from those scenarios, but I think they'll eventually come away with a win. That is uh, that's my Tip two. I've got a text message here that I found from Scott as well. You know, obviously big in Portugal, Scott. He says, uh, Sam, just to let you know, I've heard Fabio Silva is going to Wolves. He's going to be the best striker in the Premier League. <laughs> show um, us. Show me. Show me that. Show us all now. <laughs> uh, right. OK, let's move on to the rest of Sunday's fixtures. Sheffield United against Newcastle United. Uh, that's the 4.30 on Sunday, isn't it? And Sheffield United, I think, have uh, have been okay. They're, they're not quite good enough, are they? But they're okay. They were good against, uh, well, they're okay against Everton. Balance of sort of half-decent defence and they've got something in attack. They did well against Tottenham to hang on for as long as they did, although they weren't the best side. They're, I like their goalkeeper. I think he's a very good shot stopper, Wes Fodderingham. I think he, he makes some good saves. So, like, I mean, he got some abuse, didn't he, last week, which I just couldn't... You know, look at the season so far. OK, he might have made the odd error or whatever, but I think he's an all right goalkeeper, this guy. Um, but they 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 just about um, uh, got their points against Everton. got eight points against Everton. They, they went into the game against Spurs in the 90th minute, leading by a goal to nil. And then the stoppage time went up. But Newcastle... Be a trickier fixture, I think, Alex. Yeah, just on Fodringham, actually. Um, it got me thinking. You know, when Arteta was speaking last week about the fact he wished he subbed off his goalkeeper twice, Fodringham was actually a victim of that. I don't know if you remember. He was playing for Swindon under Paolo De Canio in League Two, and he took him off after 21 minutes and branded him unprofessional. Um, so it's been quite a rise for him uh, since then. I think the abuse he got was from Tottenham fans for his time wasting. Um, as opposed to Sheffield United supporters. But I'm with you, Sam. I've seen Sheffield United in full twice now. 
um, against Forest um, when they played well in the second half and against Tottenham when they did a really good spoiling job. They look well organised. The centre-backs overlap much like they did when they first came into the Premier League under Chris Wilder. I wasn't that impressed with Newcastle in Milan. I think it's a brilliant point, but the performance was poor and they were lucky to come away with a point. On another day, Milan win the game comfortably. So I think Sheffield United will get a result here. Not not a win, but I think they're capable of getting a draw. I thought it showed good character. Yeah, good character, but in in in, in, in Milan. I mean, to go to a team that's just been beaten five one in a derby, who was semi finalists in the Champions League last year, you've been away for twenty years. You know, you go into that hot environment. They played a really interesting tactic as well. Tactically, they were thought they were fascinating. They conceded a lot of chances in the first half. By the way, tweaked it at halftime. It did very, very well to stem the flow of the Milan attacks. The fact that they played throughout the course of the game, three strikers lined up on the edge of the opponent's penalty area every time they got a goal kick to press high, to force them into going long, I thought was really impressive tactic from Eddie Howe and showed a little bit of, uh, of nous. I mean... Did they not play well? I thought they played all right, actually, in possession of the football, apart from giving away the chances when they did, and those chances came in waves. Actually, they were all right on the ball. They were comfortable on the ball. They were confident playing. They didn't create anything. That's true. They hardly had a shot on goal until the 95th minute of the game. They were playing AC Milan. It wasn't like they were playing, like, you know, some team from down the road. It was it was, it was was a proper Champions League game. And if I remember rightly, they haven't played too many of those in the, in the not-too-distant past, have they? about you, Scott? Were you underwhelmed by them? Well, well, I was working on the Celtic game, so I was sort of dipping in and out. Uh, Talking of, of being of underwhelmed? What, well, yeah, um, of of the Milan-Newcastle game. But no, I, I hear what Crookie's saying, but I think I think he's, I'm more with you because I think he's judging them as if like it's just a game and who's the better team. You know, you have to take into context, this is Newcastle's first game in the Champions League for 20 years. They are going to the San Siro. Yes, Milan aren't the Milan of of years earlier, but still, you've just said what they've done. And I think the season before that, they won Serie A as well. Um, they did. And they've invested heavily, actually. The, the Tenali money that they've spent um, has been well, um, well well spent as well. They've got some good reinforcements in that team. And they, they look like a good unit. Up until that game against Milan, at, uh, Inter Milan at the weekend, they'd won all their matches. They, they, yeah. they'd, they'd had a brilliant start. Yeah, yeah. People were saying it's it's between those two and maybe Napoli for for the Serie A title. So you know that that was a big loss. And then yes, you you want a reaction. So so therefore, I think it was a really good point. Which to be fair is what what Crookie was saying. But taking it forward to the game on Sunday, this is going to be tough because I'm telling you now, with all due respect, and the Bramall Lane faithful will be bang up for this to go from the San Siro to Bramall Lane. The players need to be up for it, both physically and mentally. And if they're just a little bit off, then again, I've heard Crookie, I might have been on the White and Jordan show, say that out of the three promoted sides, these actually look the strongest at the moment. And I certainly wouldn't argue with that. So this is a perfect time to be playing Newcastle. That's all I'll say. And I wouldn't be surprised if they do get a point. Uh, Brighton against Bournemouth, uh, the Alex Crook derby. Uh, You're obviously going to this one instead of the North London derby. Surely you said, no, 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 let me go to the Amex. And uh, no, I'm going to be in North London. I'm going to be at Arsenal a lot this season, I think. Yeah. Is that because Mrs. Crook is a massive Arsenal fan and you can get her in? Uh, I haven't been able to get her in yet, actually, this season. Do you know what? I met someone on the train on Wednesday who waited four years to try and get an Arsenal ticket. He had to get one from the ticket exchange in the end. Even the players are struggling to get tickets to meet demands. Amazing what happens when you have a little bit of success. 
Does that mean that Aaron Ramsdale's not getting you in? Is that, is that, is that what that means? <laughs> this is going to be called the Aaron Ramsdale podcast. We're talking about Brighton Bournemouth, for oh, goodness sake. I know, I know, I know, I know. We just keep turning the tables on you. It's because you walked in this morning and you were all grumpy, so we thought we've got to have a bit of fun with you. Um, he was, wasn't he? He's up he was now. because he was because he got rained on last night. And um, there's this wonderful new invention, by the way. If you if you need to avoid that scenario, it's called an umbrella. Do you know um, what? I've never owned an umbrella in my life. In. I don't plan to start now. Do, do, yeah. do you know what, Sam? He's complaining about the rain. He's giving me a bit of stick of my playing career. Could you imagine him playing in the rain in England? and would be like, oh, no, I, I can't go out, Gaffer. It's raining there. I'll get all cold and miserable. <laughs> absolutely right, to be fair. <laughs> uh, he doesn't play golf in the rain either. He's a fair-weather golfer, so he stops around about now time and he'll come back and start playing again in March. Isn't that right, Crooks? Spot on. Spot on. But in, te- in terms of this game, where do my loyalties lay? It'd be nice to see Bournemouth pick up their first win of the season, to be fair. I think that needs to come sooner rather than later. Won't be easy, but again, emotional week for Brighton. First ever European game on Thursday night, so this could be a good time for Bournemouth to go there. And I, I thought they played well uh, against uh, Chelsea. There's a bit of a narrative from people not that close to the workings of the football club suggesting they've had a poor start of the season. I'd say the opposite. When you look at the teams Ooh. they've played, they've played three of the top six. They've gone to Brentford, uh, which is a difficult game. Uh, to play, and they've had Chelsea at home, so I think it will get better. And he's slowly starting to get his message across. I think the new manager. I think they I think they'll be okay, Bournemouth. I've, I said that at the beginning. I like I like Andoni. I think his 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 tactical plan sort of is going to work eventually. At least I know there's had a, a few problems early in the season, but it'll work eventually. They they'll be okay. I, I, that's my prediction anyway. Um, thank you very much to both of you. It's been a delight to spend the morning. With you, Game Day Live is back at one o'clock on Saturday. Ray Parler, Trevor Sinclair, and Adrian Clark joining Adrian Durham. Uh, all the goals as they go in, as always. Uh, from three o'clock, we'll have Luton against Wolves live on Talksport Two. Commentary from Dan and Perry Groves. I'll be at Turf Moor with Mickey Gray on Saturday night for Burnley against Manchester United, and then on Sunday, all the goals as they go in from the games at Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Brighton and Sheffield United as well, plus two championship games, games in Scotland. It's just a whole day of fun on the Sunday session from 1.30. Crookie will be with us as well, and we'll be back on Monday morning to review all the action on the All Access podcast from Talk Sport. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.